one. All right, awesome. So welcome back to Impact Show. I believe this is our 14th episode. I'm so excited to have a personal friend of mine who many of you may recognize from television or just may have worked with. Mauricio Umansky set out to create an industry disrupting brokerage that would redefine the business of real estate. One of my favorite industries on the side, I love building homes and I have a passion for real estate. Just like the equity markets, I think real estate is one of the greatest investments. It's something you can enjoy, live in, and benefit from. Since its inception in 2011, the agency has done that and much more, ranking in the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing private companies in the country for four consecutive years. The firm has expanded to employ over 600 agents in 37 offices worldwide. Mauricio is a finalist in the Entrepreneur of the Year Award and has accomplished something that no other agents have. He's uh, been in the top 10 agents in the country for seven straight years, according to the Wall Street Journal. This guy's the real deal. He's represented some of the most noteworthy properties in the world, including the Playboy Mansion. I've actually been there. It's pretty awesome. The first house in LA to sell above the $100 million mark the Walt Disney Estate, and residences owned by Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, and Prince. Mauricio is a down-to-earth, hardworking family man, and he's a type of person who creates impact, and that's why I reached out to him, and he was generous enough. On the day after his 50th birthday, I mean, the guy looks like he's 30, which is weird, but he's, he's on. So, Mauricio, thank you for coming. Maybe what we can start with is a little bit about your background. I mean, tell us where you grew up how you got into real estate. Tell us who you are. Well, thank you so much for having me on the, on your show. I'm so excited to be here and uh, talk to you about it and see what we can, uh, you know, learn. But, um, you know, I, I moved to uh, Los Angeles when I was seven years old from Mexico City. Um, grew up in L.A., grew up in, uh, uh, in Bel Air and, um, you know, got into uh, business, you know, out of college, um, kind of, I, quit college to get into business. I went to go work with my father, had a great time there. He taught me many, many lessons. Uh, really the value of the penny uh, is one of the primary lessons I learned. You know, he gave me, he also taught me how to, how to sell. Um, you know, selling is an important art and, you know, something that, you know, I love to do. I mean, it's the art of the deal is just absolutely amazing. You know, from there I went on you know, into the fashion business with him. We used to sell textiles. Uh, and then I went on into the fashion business. We started a company together, uh, also with my sister. And that's always been kind of a family uh, business. Still today, you know, the Umansky team and the family business within the agency. Yeah, my father works with me today, my sister, my daughters, et cetera, et cetera. It's just amazing to, to be able to have that pleasure. And, uh, you know, now about uh, almost 10 years ago now, we uh, started, you know, the company, the agency which is a real estate company with the idea, as you said, to redefine uh, real estate and, and just change it a little bit, just make, you know, different moves and, uh, um, you know, look at it more as a uh, business that is a, uh, a real business, right? Not just a uh, business that is uh, uh, done by, a, you know, a housewife or, the, or, or, or a cousin or an aunt or, a, or a, you know, something like that, because that's a, a little bit of what it became at some point. And uh, yeah, so we're excited to be here, man. Yeah, well, awesome. So when, when it comes to the business of the agency, what do you think sets you aside? Because it seems like real estate, there's so many brokerages, there's so many real estate firms and outfits. Your name just keeps coming up. Is it the brand? Is it the people you employ, the properties? What's the secret sauce of what makes you different? 
I think it's a little bit of everything. You know, it all started with the uh, the idea of changing the way we market property. And uh, property was always marketed, you know, as a four-bedroom house, three bathrooms, granite countertops, uh, sub-zero refrigerator, and meal appliances, right? And uh, we kind of changed that marketing. Now it's been copied, but we changed it. We continue to innovate. We continue to do things. You know, nowadays we're doing some amazing things with digital media. Uh, we're definitely some innovators in that world right now, uh, particularly with what's going on, you know, today. Uh, we've had to change a lot of the different things. But I think the marketing, you know, we told stories, right? Because people have to understand that it's the, there is a human behavior to residential real estate. It's not a commercial uh, uh, deal where you're buying it at a five cap or three cap or seven cap and it's very quick you underwrite the deal and you're gone there's actually some real uh, uh, emotions and, and, and that come into play how are you going to live what schools you're going to go to where you're going to have your coffee where you're going to you know go on a Sunday morning and and uh, have brunch with your kids or your family or your friends or where you're going to go bike ride right so we brought and started to sell real estate as a whole community uh, secondly, I think one of the things that we do completely different is the art of, uh, of true collaboration. Real estate agents tend to uh, compete with each other and against each other. And it's an environment that's very cutthroat, not a very fun environment, uh, to be quite honest with you, because, uh, you know, people are, are hoarding their clients. They're scared to, uh, they're scared to, to allow somebody else to see uh, who they're working on, what they're working on, what their secrets is. At the agency, it's in a very open, collaborative business. You know, our number one rule is no assholes. An asshole, and we get rid of them, right? And uh, so it's very collaborative. It's very open. We all work together. We all rise together. We all go down together. Uh, we celebrate each other's successes. We, 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 we have sorrow when we have, you know, failure, when there's a problem with somebody in a, in a family. And it's a really an amazing environment. Thirdly, technology. We have, uh, I believe that we're the only firm that has 100% participation in a uh, CRM system, and it's really truly more of an ERP uh, system that is that the, is from A to Z, okay? Um, and uh, the tra from transaction, from consumer, through, uh, through lead generation to transaction, uh, complete A through Z, and I believe that we're the only company in the world that has 100% participation and 100% usage by all of our people in that in, in the system. Uh, awesome. So I think between all of those things, that's how you separate you know ourselves. So something for our viewers, I know we have so many entrepreneurs in the IMA, the use of CRM. We know CRM was a billion dollar industry, Salesforce, a lot of these uh, huge platforms out there. And the thing that Mauricio just keyed in on is the use of the CRM. It's like a treadmill sitting in your gym, like you've got it, you feel good about it, but most people don't even use it. So the fact that Mauricio as the leader instills and empowers his workforce to use the CRM is a big deal. And sometimes, you know, exercise is a little painful. Sometimes using a CRM is painful. So what he's talking about that whole customer journey from the acquisition to nourishing the lead to transacting the business and keeping that data in the CRM is a big differential for his business. So that's really good to hear a great example of how technology and digital marketing interweave with the traditional industry like real estate to modernize a company like the agency. So that's 
awesome music to our ears. Um, so Marisa, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the world. 2020 has been like, is this really happening? You know, sort of thing. So real estate is sitting right in the center of that. And a few weeks ago, I had renowned economist Jim Doty from Chapman University talk about the economy, the stock market, the prediction of a V-shaped recession. Let's talk about real estate at its core. Now, real estate, a little bit different from the equities market, is very regionalized, right? So LA may perform different than you know, Denver, Colorado may, you know, for Miami, Florida. So how is real estate impacted by what everything is going on? So much people have their life savings and their earnings in real estate. Before we go to the top shelf properties, let's talk about the median, uh, you know, the, the average household. Can you give a little feedback as to where you predict this is going and, and is it regionalized? Well, we're definitely seeing a B-shaped recovery. I mean, that conversation that uh, everybody was talking about is definitely occurring right now. And the markets, you know, during uh, this time uh, when everybody was quarantined, uh, we were basically a, uh, they dropped. I mean, we were dropping the 70, 80% of, off of uh, last year's volume. Um, and um, now, now with all the states reopening and people getting out, I mean, obviously, you know, we'll see what happens there. But uh, now, what we're seeing is we're definitely seeing that V-shaped recovery. Um, banks are starting to loan, even though interest rates were super, uh, were really low, as low as they've ever been. Uh, the banks were really not lending, so it didn't do us any good to have low, low interest rates. Uh, the new housing uh, uh, sales for for May uh, uh, broke the estimated uh, amount that uh, we were expecting. I think we were expecting 617,000 sales and we ended up with 600. Um, the, the markets are, there's, there's a little bit more supply finally coming back into the market, which is exciting. There's been three months of uh, pimped up demand. So I think a lot of people that are finally able to get out are starting to go buy. We're seeing a lot of acquisitions. Uh, yeah, we're not quite to 2019 levels yet, week over week. And we're, I would say that uh, as of this week, we're probably off about 10 to 15%, um, which is fantastic. I mean, as I said, we were down 60%. So, uh, you know, to be down, you know, to have that recovery and for argument's sakes, four weeks is extraordinary, right? I mean, it really has been uh, fantastic. We use a... Uh, a measure uh, to, to uh, our, the, the, the first measure to see how the market's doing is to find out how many consumers are out there looking. And uh, we are today above the 2019 levels in terms of who's out there looking. So that's exciting news. Um, that's all going in the right direction. And uh, yeah, we're just, you know, we're, we're excited to see uh, what's going to happen uh, the rest of the year. Uh, we, we predict that uh, it'll stabilize that curve. At, after a certain recovery, we'll start flattening, um, and uh, hopefully we can get to uh, right around 2019 uh, levels uh, and just maintain it through 2020. But what a crazy year it's been, Asinan. I mean, yeah, oh, it's, uh, it's been yeah. unbelievable. There has been a change. I hope you ask me about this, but there has been a change in behavior where people are going, uh, what people are et cetera, et cetera. So we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, so let's go into that. You know, I this all started from my conversation with you. As you know, I like to you know visit other areas like Park City, Utah. Uh, you may like Aspen. There's these resort communities. Do you predict that those regions may actually benefit from this health situation that we're in, where you're in these 
major urbanized populations and maybe some families, maybe some CEOs, maybe executives are saying, you know, enough is enough. I can't go outside my house. It doesn't feel the same. Uh, you know, it, it just feels like uh, I got kicked in the ass and now I want to do something different. And then they move to these other more uh, non-urbanized regions. What are your thoughts on that? So the home is becoming extremely important, uh, more important than it ever was before for the consumers and for the, you know, for people. I think now that you've spent three months in your, your home and you've been sequestered what they don't like with their house and what they do like with their house, but we're definitely seeing uh, a, 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 a change in behavior. Places like Park City, Aspen, uh, Montecito in California, the Hamptons in the East Coast, uh, Florida, you know, et cetera, et cetera, uh, are seeing a huge amount of uh, uh, people, uh, increase of, of, of demand. Um, and people are realizing that they, if, if this were to ever happen again, they need a place or they want a place to be able to go sequester, to stay, to right. live. Uh, yeah. And they've realized the importance of that. It's become a sanctuary. So whether that is in Palm Springs, Palm Desert, Aspen, uh, Turks and Caicos, all these resort towns, I think people are, are, are realizing that they want that second home or that third home, uh, that vacation home where they can sequester, where they were, they were you know, in the past, they'd said, you know, let's just get on the airplane, let's go stay at a resort. Uh, a lot of people don't want to stay at a resort today. The hospitality business is really hurt. So we'll have to see what happens with that. I mean, I'm a huge fan of hospitality, so I really hope it recovers you know, quickly. I love to travel. It's one of my favorite things to do, my favorite hobbies in the world. And so I really do hope it recovers. But for now, uh, everybody wants to go to those second homes. So to all those that are watching, Mauricio, do you, I mean, what are your thoughts on just a real estate forecast in the next year? Is it a safe place to put your money? And, and how do you forecast it uh, for the next six to 12 months? Well, I, I, I do think it's a safe place to put your money. And I think that um, I, I, the residential real estate is really the best place to put your money. I mean, right now it's definitely uh, the, uh, the commercial real estate, you know, the retail space, the hospitality, you know, probably opportunistic, and there's probably some good buys there, but, you know, people should be looking at opportunities. Um, there's lots of opportunities out there right now. There's great times for uh, great opportunities to invest in, in every sector of real estate. Uh, I predict that the housing market's going to continue. It's going to stay somewhat, uh, it's going to recover to 2019 levels, and then we're going to have a flat line uh, from there for the rest of 2020. The right. interest rates have never been so low. Uh, the banks are starting to loan, to loan. Uh, they're starting to loan 80-20. I've even heard, you know, 10% down lately, uh, which is amazing. That really opens up a lot of uh, purchasing power for, for people. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm predicting a, a very nice uh, 2020. Okay. Um, and just to kind of wrap up on the business side. Now, uh, I'd be remiss not to mention that there's a house in Beverly Hills that is listed or about to list for $500 million dollars. Are you familiar with that property and what's the impact of everything going on in the world for that super high end buyer? Are they impacted? Could that house really set a record of half a billion dollars? Can you, can you give us a little thought on that home or maybe some people would call it a resort? Yeah, it's called The One and it's in uh, Bel Air. It's got beautiful views. It's an extraordinary, it's a humongous property. And, um, you know, uh, 
it's going to take a very unique buyer to buy that house. I'm sure that, uh, you know, somebody that, uh, that really likes and requires a lot of space. I think it's 100,000 square feet or 110,000 square feet, plus or minus. Uh, I, I guess north of 80,000 uh, square feet is all, all becomes you know, the same. But um, it's, a, it's an extraordinary property. Um, it's huge, uh, amazing views. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I, I've been surprised. It's, the, it's a, obviously, it's for somebody who's extraordinarily rich. I mean, a multi-billionaire. This is not somebody that's worth 1B. This is for somebody that's worth 8B, 10B, you know. So right. there's probably only, uh, I don't know, eight, a thousand people in the world that can actually afford this house, right? So right. Uh, now we got to go find, we got to go fish one of those thousand fish in the world. So... Mauricio, one of my really good friends. You who's, probably know exactly who the maybe. <laughs> one of my good friends, who's a mortgage banker for U.S. Bank, uh, Justin Perparo. He's he's one of the most successful in the business. I asked him. I said, "Can you do a subprime loan on this house for me? Uh, give me a thirty-year adjustable on it." And you wouldn't believe the numbers that came back. It was hilarious. So uh, I obviously did not qualify. Okay, so let's wrap up, Mauricio. Um, one more thought I had is everything going on in the world. You know. People are spending so much time on Zoom, on these collaborative technologies. Do you see maybe the house of the future almost having like a Zoom room or a tech room? Do you think that would give an advantage to a home builder? I, I wanted to know your thought on that. You know, I hadn't thought about that. There's definitely the amenity that is uh, the home office has become extremely important and obviously bringing technology to the home office. In some cases, people are now looking for two offices, right? For yeah. the, the husband and the wife or the, you know, uh, right. or the you know, two partners or whatever. So that's, that's ex becoming extremely important. So, uh, um, but I hadn't thought about a tech room or a Zoom room. I think, you know, almost like a phone booth. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, we, it was something I was thinking of. It would really help where you just jump in and it's, it's ready to go. The Wi-Fi strong and all. Um, so cool. You know, in wrapping up, Mauricio, because we have so many entrepreneurs, I always love to ask our subjects, what advice do you have for the next generation, for that guy or that girl that's starting their business? We realize it's just tough enough to be an entrepreneur. But what, what's some advice that you have, uh, you know, for our audience? So a couple of things. Number one is um, analyze your when you're analyzing your business and your decisions to what you want to do. Take it super slow. Uh, yeah, as Napoleon Bonaparte used to say, "Dress me slow because I'm in a hurry." Right? Let's not make mistakes. Let's have certainty. Second, once you've made a decision, have a hundred percent certainty and have no doubt. Have it. Make the decision. Go with it do your thing, have 100% certainty in whatever it is that you're doing. You may or may not make a mistake. You can always go back and correct it, but don't doubt yourself. The, right. the, the, the certainty versus the doubt concept to me is one of the most important uh, concepts that you can have. And then thirdly, uh, you know, have, you know, get over the fear. Uh, everybody has so much fear uh, on everything. You got to get over the fear and you got to just trick yourself and go do your thing. Awesome. And I just want to hit on that fear aspect. I think so many of us entrepreneurs, no matter how successful and how many resources you have, you still deal with the fear. You still have adversity and major challenges. When you had your dark days, I'm sure you had it in business, Mauricio. 
what was it that that got you over that hump you know like because there are times you just want to throw in the towel and give up and go away get off the internet you know what is it that that helped you get over that adversity i think it's the uh the vision you know you have to have a vision you have to have a goal you have to, uh, you know, want to get and accomplish, you know, something. I have yet to accomplish what I want to accomplish with the agency. And some days are very, very difficult. And like you said, you want to just throw in your towel. But uh, when you realize that you haven't accomplished your mission uh, and you need to get there, you have to have certainty. That goal is there. That passion is there. Then uh, you just got to flip a switch. You got to trick yourself and you got to, uh, you know, Go do what you got to do. I mean, yeah. there's no choice. You got to wake up and go finish, you know, the mission started. Right. Well, Mauricio, thank you. You've been so generous with your time, especially again, the day after your birthday. Uh, you're, you're away with your family and we really appreciate you for coming on. And let me just say to the viewers of the IMA Impact Show, this isn't a great example of the power of a relationship. I met Mauricio 15 years ago where we both shared a ride on a helicopter going to a NASCAR race. We were guests of Jimmy Johnson, you remember that? And it was a blast. And you were a friend of a friend. I do. And we stayed in contact, and that contact is now turning into a business relationship and a friendship. And that's the power of relationships. So there's some great takeaways from this. Mauricio, you're a great philanthropist as well with the work that you do with Children's Hospital of LA and the National Breast Cancer Association. We at the IMA are going to get involved and make a contribution towards those efforts in, in your honor. And we greatly appreciate your time. And go enjoy uh, the rest of your birthday celebrations. And thank you for making time for us today. Thank you so much, Sina. It's so good to talk to you today, and I look forward to uh, many more uh, opportunities. Great. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you soon.